Hopefully this is the last time you'll hear this ad. Because with Chime checking account features like fee-free overdraft up to $200 with SpotMe and getting paid up to two days early with direct deposit, you can probably treat yourself to an ad-free upgrade to spend more time listening to your favorite podcasts or at least grab yourself an extra morning latte this month. Join millions of Chime members who work on their financial progress with fee-free overdraft and no monthly fees. When you find new ways to save, you can reach your financial goals easier and still have the occasional treat. Take more control of your finances and say goodbye to monthly fees. Open your account in minutes at Chime.com goals 24. That's Chime.com goals 24. Chime. Feels like progress. Banking services and debit card provided by Bancorp Bank N.A. or Stride Bank N.A. Members FDIC. Spot me eligibility requirements and overdraft limits apply. Terms and conditions apply. Go to Chime.com disclosures for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, here on the elusive Saturday edition of the yard. I think my days are all uh, discombobulated when we play baseball on Thursday. I'm a creature of habit. I'm an addict. When things change, it's uncomfortable. And so with yesterday's schedule, you know, they, the original plan was to play in the evening. And due to the rain in the area, they... Um, elected to move the game up so with the game beginning at noon and with me having to be there around 11 to kind of get situated and settled and uh, get some uh, corn dogs to eat get my article started had to leave and uh, had to get up and write an article uh, before I left so it was a busy day it was not a fun day it was a busy day we're going to recap both games today and then we'll be back actually tomorrow night i'm going to record sunday night monday show will go sunday night so you'll have full day on monday to watch that that's the plan anyway i'll be back over in tuscaloosa later today it does appear the rain will be clearing out of the area around noon or so i guess we can double check that now you know here's the deal you know i told you guys the 10-day weather app sometimes is the ruin of society but uh, is it just me though Maybe it is. My weather app always resets to Cupertino in New York. I don't care about those places. I mean, I'll do respect to people that live there. Why do I care what the weather is in Cupertino, California? What's up with that? All right, so right now it's raining heavily in Tuscaloosa. Heavily. However, around 2 o'clock, the drizzle is supposed to stop. Game time is set for 5 p.m. It'll be broadcast on ESPNU. So they'll have about uh, three hours to get the field ready. And if if you watched the game yesterday, you know that uh, kind of an embarrassing moment there for the Alabama grounds crew as uh, Chris Simonis comes out and complains about the the condition of the mound. Got to stop the game there for several minutes. And then, you know, people walk out there with no tools or anything like, hey, what's up? Are you kidding me? So, yeah. In an SEC stadium, at times you've got to go out there and do some adjustments to the mound when there's some weather. But uh, the mound was not game ready. And quite honestly, I thought uh, Gerangelo pitched better before they went out there and tended to the mound. Did not have a good outing yesterday. 
hoped that he would, being back on uh, – maybe not on Friday, the pressure on Friday, because, you know, you're pitching against some of the best hitters in college baseball, and you're competing against some of the best pitchers. There's a lot of pressure associated with trying to get your team off on the right foot on a Friday night. So the hope was moving him to Saturday would be uh, be, be beneficial. And and listen, he ran into an Alabama team that was also uh, embarrassed after the night before. So we're going to break all that stuff down. But uh, hope that you guys are having a great weekend. It's going to be a busy week ahead. Uh, for the Bulldogs and for your good friend and host. i uh, got some things to do on Monday, and then we've got we got to be in Birmingham Tuesday to play UAB, and then it's Super Bulldog weekend. Go ahead and make your plans to attend if you haven't. And I uh, understand we're going to set an attendance record uh, Saturday. Maybe an attendance record for an on-campus event that will never be matched. We've got a big concert Saturday night for you country music fans. And uh, so last I heard that we've sold close to 20,000 tickets. So it's time to update the graphics. And uh, I don't know that they're going to allow you to buy any more tickets, to be honest with you. I don't know how it's going to work. I really don't. And so you might have to turn to the secondary market to get tickets. But uh, we are expecting a huge, huge crowd next weekend for Super Bulldog Weekend. Not just because it's SBW. Ole Miss is coming in. That's a series that we should be able to take. But not, you can take nothing for granted at this point. You know, Ole Miss, of course, uh, has already you know, split a series, you know, the Arkansas. And uh, we're going to recap what's happened so far in the league and kind of set things up for you today. And I went ahead and got up early so we can go ahead and get this thing done before there's too much activity on Saturday. But, uh, again, we'll be hitting the road here early in the afternoon, give you full coverage of the ball game. Sometimes it, it, it surprises me how much content we have about college baseball, to be quite honest with you. It really does. We got a lot. So if you're following Mississippi State College Baseball, no better place to be than uh, jeanspage.com. And uh, an interesting top ten list that kind of matches the weekend. And we got several honorable mentions, too. We'll get to that a little bit later in the show. But I want to thank you all for being here. And, again, hope that you're having a great weekend. And uh, hopefully you're dry somewhere. And you better get ready, too. If, if, you're, if you haven't had the lawnmower serviced, uh, with all this rain that we've got coming into the area, you're going to need it sooner rather than later. The problem is right now, if you live out in the sticks like uh, your good friend and host, it gets wet out here. And so it's like it rains, it rains, it rains, the grass grows, but it's too wet to go run that zero-turn mower. So you kind of sit there and deal with it for a while. But nevertheless, glad to be uh, moving things along with you all. All right, let's thank our friends at Bulldog Burger Company. I love Bulldog Burger Company. And if you went to the Bulldog Burger Company live event in Tupelo last night, hit me up, let me know how it went. That's a really cool thing to be able to, hey, we're going to go have a nice meal. We're going to have some live music. It's not going to be obnoxious, right? I'm, not, I'm still going to be able to sit there and discuss, uh, you know, whatever's going on in my life with the people that I love, whether it be a date or with friends or family. You can get out and enjoy some nice music. It's a great, great opportunity. They're going to be doing that a lot more at Bulldog Burger Company in Tupelo. Three great locations to serve you. University Drive here in Star Vegas. Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Tupelo's newest live music venue. And then Lake Harbor Drive in the Ridge and Flowood area. Go by, have the great restaurant quality hamburger. You'll be glad you did. Don't deny yourself the delicacy that is the great restaurant quality hamburger. Get those spring rolls. They'll make you and everybody around you better looking. That's in writing, right? It's official. Test the science. You'll find that I'm correct. 
get that chocolate shake to go. I'm a big proponent of dessert to go. You never know when you get home, you're thinking, oh, I can't believe I can eat another bite. And you get home, you're like, ah, you know, I wish I had something. A little bit of a palate cleanser. Maybe bring that shit boys bread pudding home with you. And then uh, maybe around 10 o'clock, get a little sugar rush, right? Anyway, Bulldog Burger Company, the place where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. All right, let's take a look back at Thursday's game. I got so many tabs up on this thing. My goodness gracious. All right, Thursday's game, if I can find it here. Mississippi State wins the ball game. And I'll be honest with you, we were leaving Friday night. I'm thinking, we're definitely going to take this series because I, I really felt like our best chances to win were games two and three. Then I find out, I appear on an Alabama radio show the morning, Thursday morning, find out that uh, Hess wasn't going to go this weekend. And you're like, wait a minute. So Cade Smith against another guy, McMillan, that, that has been out a lot, we've got an advantage here. We do. And we win the ball game and walk away, I'm thinking, you know what, hey, we, we might sweep this thing. Well, if you know anything about Bohannon, Alabama, they have been really gutsy all year. They've won at least one game, but they've won one game in every SEC weekend. Haven't been able to win a series. And so this will be an opportunity for them this weekend, obviously. Had a chance last weekend at Arkansas. Couldn't get the deal done. But I felt like we had a good chance to win in game three. I believe Landon Garman's going to go out there and give you a good start. And uh, we'll discuss that later in the show. Let's go back and look at the night that was. 3,409 was the reported attendance. I would say it was about half of that there. But uh, good night for the Bulldogs. I and mean, we go right to work here. Amani Larry singles right back up the middle on a 2-2 count, goes to second on a wild pitch. So automatically we've got a runner in scoring position with 2-3-4 and four coming up. They walk Ledbetter on an extensive at bat. Then Hines strikes out looking. Another wild pitch. Runner, now we've got two men in scoring position now with less than two outs. You have to capitalize in situations such as this, especially with Cade coming back making his first start in a while, you need to go ahead and give him some margin to work with. And we did. Dakota Jordan didn't get the big hit here, but he gets the team needs met with an RBI sack fly to center field. Everybody tags, Larry scores, and then they walk Hancock after a lengthy bad walk. Luke has walked all weekend, it seems. And then I slid offer with an infield single here. Another run scores. It's 2-0. And then Kellum Clark grounds out the first unassisted. So, a good first inning. There could have been a bigger one. It's a good inning. And you give Cade some room to work with. Bottom of one, uh, Hodo, William Hodo, uh, singles right back up the middle. Williamson then flies out to right. Johnson lies out to center. And then Jarvis, who's probably the straw that stirs the Alabama drink, fouls out to third. So while you give up the leadoff single, you're able to navigate through that without him advancing. And so State gets back in the dugout with a 2-0 lead. They went ahead and made a change here because McMillan was scheduled to be the opener. They bring in Banks. Forsyth flies out to right field and Ross Highfield. On an 0-1 count, sends the ball just over the left field wall. We're sitting there watching and waiting to see if that thing's coming down and it lands in the netting up there. It is now a 3-0 Mississippi State lead, and we're off and running. Top of the order comes up. Larry pops up to the shortstop. Ledbetter grounds out to second base. But yet, State's still adding to the lead here. I bought him a second, and here we go with some self-inflicted drama. And again, I'm not going to be too critical of Cade Smith. I mean, he's just getting back up to speed. Cade's a dude, man. And we need Cade. We need Cade to be good. We need Cade to be healthy. Cade is a very talented pitcher. 
always wanted to be a Bulldog, competes at a high level. And uh, we kind of lose some things here. Back-to-back hitters, Hammeter and Pickney are hit by the pitch. So right away, you, you think, hey, they're going to score. And they do. We do battle back and get Shelton to strike out swinging. And then Gassetti, uh, fielder's choice here. We force a runner at second. And our runners on the corners, you're thinking, okay, we're a pitch away from getting out of this. We put ourselves in a negative situation here. But we could still get a positive here. And then Side L, who is the leading hitter for Alabama, laying like a sneak, snake in the reeds down there in the nine hole, singles right back up the middle, and the run scores. Alabama's on the board. We get Hutter to strike out looking. It's a 3-1 ball game. And again, if we don't hit those two hitters, it's a 3-0 ball game. Can't give free passes, and that, that was the theme of the day on Friday. All right, top of third. Hines strikes out swinging. Jordan walks. So back-to-back productive at-bats for Dakota Jordan. Not filling up the box score, not making the ESPN highlight reel, but he gets the RBI sack fly in at-bat number one, and then he works a walk here in at-bat number two. Hancock then flies out to left, offered grounds out to short. So we get the uh, one-out base runner and can't move him around. All right, bottom of third, things get a little dicey here. We get a fly out to center from Williamson. Johnson then flies out to center, and then the very first pitch, Jarvis – Takes it the other way. It's a solo home run. And then Hammeter followed with a home run to right field. Wynn was blowing out to right a little bit, but I think both of those balls get out either way. They're pretty well struck. So now it's a tie ball game. Pickney strikes out swinging, which has kind of been the theme of his weekend too. So top of four, it's a tie game. And I read the social media commentary when I could. A lot of people don't realize that I'm actually covering a game there and I record every single pitch. Do We do a game play-by-play article. And so I don't have time during a ball game to text back and forth with you or answer your questions on Twitter. I do the best I can. I, 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 I'm trying to avoid texting during games because all it does is encourage more texting. I'm on press row trying to cover a ball game. So please don't text me. All right, top of four. Kellen Clark flies out the center. Forsyth singles back up the middle on an 0-2 count there. Too much plate, even though we're the ones that benefited from it. I don't understand these people. and That, that happened to us, too. On 2 why are we catching so much plate? That happened on the Hammeter home run. 2 back-to-back fouls, and then we catch too much of the plate. All right, but back to our, our fourth inning here. Uh, Heifel then fouls out to the second baseman, and Larry flies out to left. So we get, again, the one-out base runner. We don't even advance him here. All right, Colby Holcomb comes in, and uh, it was pre-arranged. This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! <laughs> And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! (sighs) Smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get Hefty Ultra Strong with new Fabuloso Lemon Scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.
When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. That Cade would go three innings. That he had a bit of a pitch count too, but you know, three innings. And Lamontis told us on Tuesday we wanted to stretch him for another inning. That's exactly what they did. So Holcomb comes in in the fourth, and uh, a lot of adversity here in this inning. And we're very fortunate that it wasn't a huge defining inning in this ball game. We get Shelton to strike out swinging, lengthy at bat here. And, and to be honest with you, Colby was all over the place, even in this at bat. Shelton kind of helped a little bit because he was willing to chase some balls a little bit out of his own. We end up striking him out. And then Gossetti walks, and then Seidel walks. And so we have the mound visit. So we do have one out recorded. That easily could have been a walk, but we've walked back-to-back hitters. And I had people message me, oh, go get somebody up. And then we hit Hodo with a pitch on a full count. We get behind him 3-0 and work our way back. Now all of a sudden the bases are loaded. Williamson strikes out looking. Big, big at bat right there. Now you're a pitch away from getting out of it. And Johnson singles to third base. This wasn't the play to be made here. We tried. Didn't work out. But a run scores. And then Jarvis strikes out looking. And at this point, I'm thinking Holcomb is not long for pasture here. There's no way we're going to bring him back out. And how wrong did I prove to be? And uh, what a turnaround there was for Colby Holcomb. All right, State gets that run back in the top of five. Ledbetter opens with a ground rule double to right. Hines grounds out to second, which pushes him to third. And then um, they decide that it, they made a change in in during the bat to, to DJ. And he ends up walking anyway. 2-2 count. They bring a guy in. He can't get him out. So, again, DJ doing the little things here. Hancock then reaches on a fielder's choice, and the run scores. They force Jordan at second. Can't record the double play. They challenge a call, and the call is confirmed. I didn't think there was much question about that. Offered, and flies out to center field, but it's a 4-4 ball game. All right, bottom of five, Colby Holcomb, the guy that issued three free passes in the bottom of four, all of a sudden finds it. He gets Hammeter to strike out swinging, Pickney to strike out looking, and then Shelton to strike out looking. So a 1-2-3 inning where he strikes out the side. Now, he strikes out the side in the fourth inning, too, but um, – <laughs> a lot of, a lot of traffic on the bases uh, due to our own issues. But what a turnaround for Colby Holcomb here. All right, top of six. Uh, Callum f- f- fouls out to the first baseman. Forsyth goes down swinging. And then Ross Highfield hammers a ball to left field. Good night for Ross. And then Amani Larry strikes out swinging. So, again, we're getting guys on, just not getting them around. And many of you are probably thinking, this is, I know how this is going to go. All right, bottom of six, Holcomb still on fire here. Gets Cassetti to pop up the third. Seidel strikes out looking, and then Hodo flies out to left. Top of seven. Alabama makes another pitching change. Ledbetter grounds out to first, and then Hunter Hines absolutely murders his baseball into the bullpen. Puts State up 5-4. DJ comes right back on a 1-0 count and just crushes one down the left field line. And, again, you look at this. Again, he's not a guy that's going to get a lot of attention in the media for this ball game. But, again, it's four productive at-bats. 
this kid is growing up in front of us. And now don't you have a lot more confidence when he goes up there? Earlier in the year, it's like, I know he's going to strike out on a slider out of the zone. Now I expect him to get on base every time he goes up there. And he's nearly done it here as of late. All right, Hancock strikes out swing, and they bring in Myers here. And uh, I don't know if Myers has had many bad days on the baseball yard like this one, but State was all over him. He comes in, gets an 0-2 count on Slate Offord, and again, too much of the plate here. And Offord sends a two-run bomb, and at this point we have a little separation. At 7-4, you're thinking, hey, the way Holcomb's dealing, maybe we can get this thing and bring in Nixon, kind of get it finished up. They walk Kellum Clark, who's no longer your leadoff hitter. <laughs> and then uh, Forsyth singles to right field, pushes in the second, and then Ross Highfield on a 1-0 count, absolutely murders a baseball deep into the Tuscaloosa night. It is now a 10-4 ball game, and I don't think there was any question at this point who was going to win the game. Amani strikes out looking. Amani hadn't had a big weekend. We need a big day out of him today. All right, and then Alabama comes in the bottom of seven here. Holcomb's back out. We immediately walk Williamson. Those are things that drive me crazy. It's like we need – we score, we need a clean inning. Let's find a way to go in here and get three outs without giving up a run. We go out there and walk somebody. And you think, okay, well, here it goes. Here it comes. And then Johnson singles back up the middle. Ross goes out, talks to him, settles him down. And then Jarvis walks to load the bases. And right here I'm thinking, well, this is going to be an interesting final three innings. And Colby rolls up the ground ball. We get Hammond or grounded to a double play. Lane just takes it unassisted, fires to first, two down. Run scores. And then Pickney lies out to left field, and, and the threat is over. So, again – Kind of a self-inflicted deal here. We're able to navigate through it. You can't keep living life that way, though. I mean, it's and it's baseball. Those guys who are swinging the bats get free school, too, for the most part. All right, top of eight, State comes back, and we get the run back. These are the things that make you feel good when you're playing well. They score, we answer. Ledbetter flies out to left, and Hines doubles down the right field line. They pull Myers, and we were all over him. Jordan strikes out swinging the first non-productive bat of the game for him. And then Hancock singles through the left side, and uh, Hunter comes around to score. Offer flies out to right, but now it's an 11-5 ball game. Alabama down to their final six outs. And you think, you know what? they got to get six outs before they get six runs without us scoring. And it's a leadoff walk. We walk Shelton here. They pinch it with Tamez, who had a big day on Friday. But in this situation here, he grounds out to double play. It is a 4-6-3. Really nice turn from Lane here, too. And then Seidel strikes out swinging, and the Bulldogs were barking here. We were feeling this thing here. Top of nine. Clark grounds out to the third baseman. Lane Forsythe walks. Heifel then flies out to left. Larry walks. So you think you got to make him pay here. We do. Ledbetter. Absolutely doing a great job working the other way. It's an 0-2 count. And, again, you know, I understand – you got young guys on the mound here, but uh, too much of the plate. Ledbetter, a great job of hitting this kind of dumps that thing in the left field. Run scores, and then Hines grounds out the short. It's a 12-5 ball game. State with a seven-run lead going to bottom of nine. You're thinking, you know what, hey, let's just continue to ride with KC here. And KC had come out and done a decent job. Um, but you start thinking here, okay, look. You know, KC's come in, walks first guy he sees, gets double played, and gets out of the inning. He comes back in the eighth. Lead off walk, but we get a double play. You know, rolling up those ground balls, and you think, okay, we're good. We're good. We're getting the bottom of nine, though. 
A little bit of trepidation here. We get a pop-up to short, and then Williamson strikes out looking, and you're like, okay, this thing is over, right? Well, not quite. Give up a single to uh, Johnson, and then we walk Jarvis, and all of a sudden it's uh, runners at first and second. You think, oh, we're still up seven. We are. Then Hammer, Hammeter hammers the ball in right center, and two runs score, it's 12-7. Then we get a ground ball to third, it's over, right? Nope, we throw the ball up the line, another run scores, and then finally Shelton uh, grounds over the right side, we toss it to KC, it's over. And, and I saw everybody, listen, I get it, I get it, but everybody just relax. Everybody relax. Once the game got a little bit closer, we did get Nate up. We threw just a little bit. But uh, you win the game on Thursday without having to use Nate, which is huge. And let's be honest, Nate's our best relief pitcher. We all know this. We do. And we're going to preview the uh, Saturday game later in the show. But to able to navigate through this game, get a Friday win in the SEC. And, uh, you know, SEC wins has been hard to come by for us. But put ourselves in a situation to take this series. I told you guys uh, when we, back when we picked it on Wednesday, I thought State would take the series. I said last weekend State would have a winning week. Um, they're a win away from the day for making that look good and uh, at least showing a little bit of life here. Again, if we're going to make a move, it's got to happen now. It has to begin here in Tuscaloosa. All right, looking back at the numbers, Imani Larry, one for five with a run scored. Colton Ledbetter, two for five, two runs scored and an RBI. Hunter Hines, two for six on the night. Uh, just a couple strikeouts there. Dakota Jordan, only two official at-bats because he had the walks and the sack fly. But one for two with the run scored, two walks and an RBI. Luke Hancock, one for four on the night. Soyd offered two for five with three RBI. Kellum Clark, 0 for four on the night. Did score a run, did, did get a walk. Lane Forsythe, two for four. A couple runs scored. Ross Highfield, big night for him. Three for five on the night, four RBI, uh, two runs scored. And, uh, it's now seven home runs on the year for Ross Highfield. Uh, Pitching-wise, Cade Smith goes three innings, four hits, three runs, uh, three strikeouts, and a couple hit-by-pitches. Got to clean some things up there. Didn't walk anybody, but he, the hit-by-pitch serves as the same thing, right? So 42 pitches for him. And uh, perhaps next weekend, you know, against Ole Miss, we can extend him a little bit more, maybe get five out of him. Uh, Colby Holcomb is credited with the win. And, again, navigated through some difficult times there. Uh, three innings pitch, two hits, two runs, three walks, seven strikeouts. And one hit by pitch. Casey Hunt, uh, three innings pitch, two hits, three runs. Two of them earned three walks, two strikeouts. So, you know, half dozen walks here. And you think, oh, I can live with that. You know, but I, th- I think just about all his walks scored. You know, uh, just about, I think four of the six scored. But 155 pitches thrown for the Bulldogs, 185 thrown for Alabama. And uh, State doing a good job kind of running out some counts here. So, uh, that's your Thursday Recap. We're going to go ahead and get into today's top 10 list, and then we'll come back and recap the Friday game. And then we're going to talk about today's game. As always, top 10 list brought to you by CloseWithBlair.com. Blair is my friend. Blair Chandler is your friend. Blair is a friend to all of those in need. And recently found out top 1% close ratio in the country three consecutive years. Anybody can do it once. Well, just about anybody can. Very few people can do it twice. Blair's done it three times. So if you need a long close, you need to work with Blair Chandler. That's why it's closewithblair.com, as in closing your loan. C-L-O-S-E with Blair, B-L-A-I-R.com. He works for Fairway Mortgage. He's not some, you know, fly-by-night subprime lender. This is a guy that, that has been in the industry 21 years, coming up on 22. Your mortgage is one of the most important things in your life. I would submit to you probably next to 
perhaps your salvation, your marriage, and your responsibilities as a parent. There's your mortgage. And that all kind of works hand in hand, right? You need to trust your mortgage to somebody that knows how to get things done. And it's not some, uh, you know, situation where you're predatory lending. They're going to put all these exorbitant fees on you and things like that. Deal with a reputable, experienced mortgage loan originator in Blair Chandler. Give them a call or text today at 601-500-2344. Again, at 601-500-2344. Mention to him you heard about him on the bond yard. He's going to pay for your appraisal. This is not a guy that's hurting for business, right? But because of the fact that he supports this show and supports all of you, he's like, you know what, hey, Steve, for your listeners, we'll, we'll take care of that appraisal. That's a nice benefit. It's very difficult to get a mortgage approved at times, and it's nice to have somebody kind of a friend on the inside. That's who you have with Blair Chandler at CloseWithBlair.com. Okay, our friend Melanie Moody, who has suggested, I don't know, maybe a dozen top ten lists. We've used a few of them. Said, you know what, Steve, it's April, and it is. We missed a golden opportunity to do an April Fool's list. We did. Uh, But that said, April is a month that there's a lot of rain. And so I think we've done a list about rain, but we can always do another one. And uh, because we are doing this one, and and I, I could probably put a top 20 together. And to be honest with you, I like some of the honorable mentions better than the list itself. Oh, you Steve, why just change the list? Well, I'm lazy. I got a lot to do today. So I already had my top 10 together. And then I was like, oh, well, there's this song and that song. So honorable mentions, a bunch of them. Okay. So let's start with my friends in Lily and Axe. It's Letters in the Rain. That's your first honorable mention. And then uh, Corey Marks, if you haven't listened to that first album with him, uh, Corey Marks, Outlaws and Outsiders. A great song on there with Lizzie Hale, Out in the Rain. Creed, Rain, Lynch Mob, Rain. One of my favorite albums of all time. The Lynch Mob, Wicked Sensation album. Jackals, When Will It Rain? My favorite Jackal song. And we couldn't do a song about rain without mentioning Millie Vanilli. Blame it on the rain. You got to blame it on something. You can blame it on uh, phoniness. Credence Clearwater Revival. I want to know. Have you ever seen the rain? Yeah, well, yeah, we have. Thanks, John. Adele's Set Fire to the Rain. And uh, Whitesnakes, Crying in the Rain. They actually recorded that on Saints and Sinners album, then re-recorded it on the 87 album which is the, uh, I read yesterday, the 87 Whitesnake album uh, recently surpassed 8 million in sales. 8 million. It's incredible. It's a great album. It's an iconic album. Some people call it Whitesnake 87. That's the year it was released. It's the self-titled album. It's the one that made uh, Whitesnake a superpower in rock music. All right, so your top 10 list now. And, And this is the song that probably snuck in my wife uh, loved the Breakfast in America album from Supertramp. This song is not on there, but uh, she loved that album, that A Goodbye Stranger and all that kind of stuff. She thought it was, it was really cute. But uh, since we're going with rain, it's raining again from Supertramp, which I think they're making their top 10 list debut with us here. Number nine, I can't do a list about rain songs without throwing a bone to our homie Orange Juice Jones. One of the greatest songs of the 80s. It is. Guy finds out this girl's cheating on him. You know, it's, it's kind of a narrative song. And um, man, when this song was out, it was everywhere. It's I Saw You and Him, Walking in the Rain. The official title is The Rain. I missed you so much today, I followed you. Oh, that's right. That's right. I did. 
Great song. Sad story. Great song. Number eight. Phil Collins and Eric Clapton got together, and it was magical. This came out, I guess, uh, I was still in high school because I'm from the 1900s. It's I Wish It Would Rain Down, and uh, the guitar on this is phenomenal. And I think the vocal is incredible, too. And uh, the bass line on this thing, too. That I remember when they used to do the uh, Hooper's Pump It Up competition. I want to say one year this was one of the songs. So to kind of show the uh, quality of your sound system, you entered that uh, Hooper's competition. And this was, you know, you could put these songs on and they would judge based on the sound quality of each vehicle. It sounds crazy in hindsight, but everybody used to have the booming system back then. I never entered those competitions, but my friend Brandon Bryant, I think every spare dollar he ever had went into his vehicle. He had so many speakers, he had to have a second battery. Yeah. Number seven, I remember sitting on press row in the old duty noble field. Brian and I were, uh, we had an elongated uh, rain delay during an NCAA regional several years ago. I guess it was back in 16. And uh, so Brian, they were, they were running out of rain songs, and Brian and I were like, Brian's like, hey, what about this? So this was Brian's suggestion, and I went and made it to uh, the marketing folks, and we used it. It's Nelson's After the Rain. Because many of you can't live without their love and affection. But there's also this uh, song of encouragement, After the Rain, Things Get Better. All right, number six, I've seen this band. I believe it was with Aerosmith. My memory fails at times. And Shirley Manson, what, a, what an incredible talent. And uh, I've always loved the rasp in her voice. Of course, she's fun to look at, too, but um, an incredible singer. And uh, it's, I'm only happy when it rains. This came out, I guess, in 96. I'm only happy when it rains. And I want to say we saw them with Aerosmith on that Nine Lives tour, I think. All right, number five. This is when things start getting serious here, right? I mean, we can throw a few bones here and out, but this is when it gets serious in South Five. Now, some people may disagree with me, and that's okay. I know you'd love this song. Maybe you disagree with the placement of it, but it's the Rain song from Led Zeppelin, which is an absolute, hauntingly beautiful ballad. The great guitar, there's some strings in the arrangement. Robert Plant's vocal is absolutely sublime. If you're unfamiliar with that song, I'll tell you, you probably have heard it, but didn't know there was the rain song. This is a great song. It really is. It's a little bit melancholy, but it's beautiful. Number four. I mean, I tell you what, there are, there are a few songs out there that kind of get my blood pumping like this one. I mean, I've been a cult fan for longer than most of you have been alive. It's true. I'm not in a cult, as far as you know. But I love the band The Cult. As a matter of fact, my youngest son, Ian Robertson, is named after Ian Asbury. Just so you, just so you know. Ani's named after Ani Logan from Lynch Mob. Ian's named after Ian Asbury from The Cult. It's a serious deal. Music's big to me. Maybe you've heard. So we're going to go with Rain. And of course, many of you know it as Here Comes the Rain Again. And, and back when I was in the dance music scene, that you know there was... There was the dance version of the song, Rain. It was absolutely um, kind of a heavy bass line. They, they basically just kind of changed it up just a little bit, changed the arrangement a little bit, and it was in clubs everywhere. But uh, Rain from the Cult. Love being Asbury. Number three, I would be remiss if we had a song about rain and we didn't include a song that, about no rain. So you knew it was coming. You used to know where it was. It's Blind Melon. And uh, I've even talked to a couple people about, man, wouldn't it be great if we get Blind Melon back for one more show? One more show. 
play it here in Starville, maybe play it on campus, raise some money for NIL, maybe have them play Rock Vegas, get out in a, you know, get out the amphitheater. Yeah, you know, I'd like to see Blind Melon have one more chance to say goodbye. Now, I understand, I understand things aren't the same. But wouldn't it be great to have Mississippi's own Blind Melon, one more show? We can make it happen. Hit me up. But uh, I talked to a mutual friend. I talked to a friend that's friends with guys in the band, and they hadn't talked a lot lately. And um, I just said, hey, just plant a seed, man. If I, I, I'll fly up there. If I can get in a room with them, I think maybe we can, we can do something. But um, right now they're, they're, not, they're not wanting to do anything. So, but wouldn't it be great maybe if they did? If we had one more show for Blind Mountain, we could see them one more time and just say goodbye to them. Because it's not just because I think we need to say goodbye to them. They need to say goodbye to us. I mean, I understand life has moved on. But Blind Melon was a huge part of our lives in the early 90s, especially when we found out they were all from Mississippi with the exception of Shannon Hoon. You're like, oh, these are our guys. And I saw them, I believe it was in Hattiesburg, right before they left to go to California. And it was just one of those things, it was like, you know, the next thing I know, you know, a few years later, they're on, uh, a couple years later, they're on MTV, out there in a the field. Number two. You probably know what the top two are. You just don't know how I have them listed. But we're going to go with Guns N' Roses, November Rain. And I remember when they were recording the Use Your Illusion albums. There was all this discussion in Hit Parader Magazine and Rolling Stone. Oh, they've hired an orchestra. This is going to be so over the top. And Axl Rose is being so ridiculous with all this. And they've got this huge orchestra that's playing this song. And it's, it's going to be a failure. And it was, it's an epic. It's one of the greatest songs of my generation. It absolutely is. It's November rain. I'm sure you know it. And uh, the video, one of the more entertaining videos of all time. We've talked about the story, too, about what that video is kind of based on. I'm not going to get into that again. But uh, it was a a short story, I guess a book, maybe even a novella. um, called I think it was Without You. But uh, nevertheless, November rain. An epic song. An absolutely epic song. All right, number one, and you probably know where we're going here, because you know what a big Prince fan I am. How could it be anything other than Purple Rain? That performance, man, in the movie Purple Rain is uh, absolutely next level. It is. And, of course, at this point, you know, the kid played by Prince, everything's kind of beaten down. He's lost his dad to suicide. Uh, Mom's been part of a... Uh, abusive relationship, you know, and he and Apollonia, Apollonia have busted up here. and He's kind of at the end. And he goes out there on stage and he rocks it one more time. And next thing you know, for the first time in a long time, people really get his music. The authenticity kind of comes through and everything turns around for him. And, um, you know, it's sad that Prince is no longer with us. But uh, for a time there, Prince ruled the world, man. It was, this was kind of like on the heels of Thriller, too, for those of you that didn't live through it. Like, so Michael Jackson and Thriller were everywhere. And then as that album began to fade a little bit, if you can call it a fade, all of a sudden we had Prince of the Revolution and Purple Rain, the original motion picture soundtrack. And it's like I go back to that beautiful once, too. When, and my wife and I talked about this before, too, about when uh, Prince is up there and Morris Day is sitting with Apollonia and he sings the beautiful ones. He points at her and he goes, uh, do you want him or do you want me? Because I want you. 
Those, it's like it's such an intense scene, and uh, I watch the movie every time I see it on. I, I do. If I'm flipping through the channels at night, and Purple Rain's on, I watch it because you never know where you're going to pick up. And uh, the movie's a little cheesy, yeah, it, it is, but it's the '80s, right? But um, pretty emotional scene there at the end. And, and of course, just watching the video in and of itself is is amazing. But having the context of the film and much of it autobiographical, pretty amazing. So there you go. Your top ten songs about rain. We covered a lot of territory here. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out and let us know. You'll be glad you did. We just might use your list, right? And we've done a bunch of them. Roy's tried to update the list and uh, trying to get that information to me, but um, we have done a bunch of these, and I appreciate everybody's contributions to the list. Uh, reach out on social media. You can find me on all forms of social media, at Scout Steve R. And Roy's available at Dogmatic67. That's D-A-W-G-M-A-T-I-C-6-7. And you can find our great list on Spotify also with that same call sign, Dogmatic67. Be sure and check those out. And as always, thanks for your support of the Top 10 list. All right, next segment of the show brought to you by Campus Bookmart, a Stark Billion institution, a place that's been there when you've needed them, right? The reliability, the professionalism, the selection, the service. Campus Bookmart, absolutely doing the best job out there, providing you with Mississippi State merchandise. The selection's better than ever. Next time you're in town, go by and see their smiling faces, the lovely, talented Susie, Miss Pam Menyard, Kathy Brown, an elite buyer in our market. If there's anything out there Mississippi State related, they're going to have it. If you can't make it to town, visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet at campusbookmart.net. By being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll be phrase it pays, and that is BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that gets you free shipping on all orders over 75 bucks. Any order less than 75 bucks, absolutely incomplete. I'm also a big proponent, too, supporting Starkville business. There are a lot of people out there you can do business with. You love Starkville. You do. You know, at times we have some of our institutions in Starkville that, uh, that go out of business. And a lot of times people retire. Sometimes people just kind of tired of the industry but the reality of it is is if you love Starkville and you love Mississippi State we need you to support Starkville businesses whenever you can and you can do that courtesy of the World Wide Web again that's campusbookmark.net promo code BSR all right let's get into the ball game that was on Friday I will be honest with you I was a little optimistic because again I thought our best chances to win were game two and game three and then we win game one, it's like, wait a minute, can we do it? Well, we can't. We tried, but we can't. And a uh, really, really tough day at the ball yard yesterday. Now, looking forward to a better day today. But um, So let's kind of go back and look here. Tough, tough, tough game. In every aspect. Pitching was bad. Hitting was bad. We had three hits on the day. Score one run. We had an error that eventually came around to score. You know, we, we hit a guy with a pitch. We have him... Ross makes a great throw to short. Lane doesn't make the catch. The guy's going to be out five, six feet. Next thing you know, it's a two-run jack. We'll get to that. But, um, yeah, we didn't play well. We, we didn't in any aspect of the game. It, it, just the one error defensively. But, uh, you know, just it, it didn't go well. I think I think we can all agree. All right, so let's uh, let's start here. First inning, as always. Uh, Larry lines out to left. Ledbetter strikes out looking. And then Hunter Hines walks, and Jordan grounds out to the pitcher. It's a pretty efficient inning there uh, for Luke Holman, who upped his record to 5-1 and one yesterday. Uh, Gerangelo comes out. It's a fly out to left, but this is a lengthy at bat where we weren't really crisp. 
you know, we get out ahead here, but um, next thing you know, it's like, I don't know if we're nibbling or I don't know if we're scared to get hit, but the reality of it is we get a fly out here and he kind of helps us a little bit. Then we walk Williamson. We get Johnson to strike out swinging. Then Jarvis walks. And then Hammeter flies out to left. But strike throwing wasn't a forte early in this ballgame. Became a familiar refrain. I top a second. Hancock fouls out to right field. Hit that ball a long way. Just enough room for it to stay uh, in, in, in the ballpark so they can make a play here. Offered grounds out to short. Clark doubles to left field. And then Forsyth. Uh, grounds out to second. So we get a runner in scoring position with two outs. Can't do anything with it. Bottom of second. And this is when the wheels really started coming off here. You get Tamez to strike out swinging. And then you walk Eblen. And this is when we had that extensive timeout where they had to go fix a mound. Pinkney grounds out to third. Eblen takes second. We walk Seidel. Wild pitch since both runners up a base. Now everybody's in scoring position. We walk Hodo. On four pitches, the bases are loaded. Williamson comes up, a two-hole hitter. Rifles ball in the center field. Johnson homers to left. It's 5 nothing. And again, we're a pitch away from getting out of this. But when you walk three in the inning, you're going to give up runs. More times than not. I mean, statistically, I don't know the odds on that. But when you walk three in the inning, it's trouble. And in the end, everybody comes around to score. Five-nothing ball game, and here we are, bottom of second, and it felt like here we are chasing the game again. It'd be one thing if it was a two-nothing ball game. But that three-run home run to Johnson, Ed Johnson absolutely tanked that job. Five-nothing. Five All right, top of third. Stay goes one, two, three here. Heifel flies, uh, flies out to second, and then Larry is hit by the pitch. Ledbetter hits into a double play. So clean inning for Alabama pitching there. And give Holman credit. He was good. All right, we bring in uh, Bradley Lofton to make his SEC debut. Immediately we walk Hamiter. Wild pitch. He goes to second. Tamez strikes out swinging. We knew about him later. Eblin then walks. Pickney strikes out swinging. Seidel strikes out swinging. And, and as a time there, we're two and a third innings pitch. We've had seven walks. So at that point in the ballgame, we had walked as many as we'd retired. That's not going to work. But give Lawton some credit for working through that. And, again, he strikes out the side around a couple walks there. Um, and the walks have been an issue with him, and we all know this. He's going to be a stud for us, but uh, we got to do a better job there. And like, I read a lot of comments about pitch calling. We never call, you know, a 2-0 pitch in the dirt. We, we don't. Got to execute, too. All right, top of four. Hines uh, strikes out swinging. Jordan then singles to left. DJ again doing good, doing the right things. Hancock strikes out looking. That was a bit of a surprise. We just got fooled on the pitch there. And then Alford flies out to center field. Bottom of four. Uh, Lofton walks Hodo, but battles back. Gets Williamson to fly out to right. Johnson pops up to second. And Jarvis grounds out to short. So, yes, it's another walk, but we're able to navigate around that. Those leadoff walks will kill you, man. You can't, give, you can't just give people a running start to the inning. All right, top of five, we get a leadoff walk. Lengthy at bat here. They thought they had Kellum Clark struck out. And Kellum battles and battles and battles and battles and earns the base on balls. Forsyth then uh, hits a ground ball, but they're not able to double him up there, but they force a runner at second. Rice Highfield then doubles through the left side and um, sends Forsyth to third. So now you've got runners, two, scorers, two runners in scoring position with just one out. And the top of the order coming up, Larry grounds out to third. They can't. 
do much there. They just play it across the field there, and the run score is 5-1. You're thinking, okay, we'll start chipping away here. Ledbetter then lines out hard to short. You start thinking, man, if that ball gets through, maybe it's a different ball game. Well, state pitching couldn't hold the game in place. We hit Hammeter with the pitch. He didn't steal second. This is where we have the error here. Great throw by Ross. We didn't handle it on the back end. And then Tamez hits a homer to left field. It's a 7-1 ball game. At this point, we all know how this thing is going to end. We just don't know when and what the final score is going to be. Eblin strikes out looking. We walk picking who has been a liability in the order. I don't know why you'd ever want to walk that guy. He can't hit a breaking ball. Our tapper comes in for Lofton. Uh, Sider lays down a near-perfect bunt there. And good for him. That's in a nine-hole, too. So now all of a sudden you've got two men on with the top of the order up. Um, that ball, we had to let it roll. It was such a great bunt. We just let it roll, let it roll, and it hits the bag. You know, nothing you can do there. I mean, just sometimes that it happens. It's just, we're playing too far behind the bag there. And uh, I don't know if you'd expect Sidle to bunt anyway. So good job by him. All right, Hodo then uh, strikes out looking. Williamson singles to right field, which forces in Pickney. Makes it 8-1. Williamson is thrown out stealing here. And great job by Ross. This was not a close play. Ross is growing up right in front of us. All right, so 8-1 ball game in top of six. Hines is hit by the pitch, and then DJ strikes out looking. I thought it was a tough call, but uh, too close to take on a 1-2 count. Hancock then lines out to right, hit the ball well, just right at him. They bring in former Bulldog um, football recruit Riley Quick to pitch. The first thing he does is throws a wild pitch, and Hines takes second. Alford strikes out swinging. We end up having to throw him out. They throw him out at first, but um, interesting. You know, Riley Quick had a chance to play baseball at Mississippi State or football, opted for Alabama baseball. I remember remember when it happened, everybody was like, well, it's Bama. It's Bama baseball. You wouldn't think if he's playing football at Alabama. All right, bottom of six. And this is, again, they start tacking away here. Uh, Johnson singles to third. Jarvis pops up to third. And then Hammonder grounds out to first, pushing the runner to second. You think, okay, we got a chance to get out of this. And Tamez homers again. 10-1 ball game. Then we walk Ablin. He goes to second on a wild pitch. Pickney strikes out swinging. Again, familiar refrain for him. that This is a guy that cannot pick up spin. I don't know why you'd ever throw him a fastball unless it's to get him to elevate on something in the zone or out of the zone. Our top of seven. They walk Kelvin Clark again, and he goes second on the wild pitch. Then Forsyth walks. Now, all of a sudden, we got something going on. They lift quick and bring in Alton Davis to second. Heifel strikes out swinging. Larry flies out to right. Ledbetter strikes out looking. So, good job by Davis, a young guy that's uh, they're really high on out there. Bottom of seven. And I, I, my, my wife was working on pictures. I said, you need to get a picture ready to go because uh, if they score here, this ball game is over. Well, we made sure we helped them. We bring in um, – Logan Forsyth, who I, I'm really high on him. He's going to have a big career at Mississippi State. Did not have a good outing yesterday. You walk Seidel, the nine-hole hitter, to open the inning. So you, you've rotated the order for him. You flipped the order. Hodo walks. Williamson lines out the short. You think, okay, we're a pitch away from getting out of it. Well, we were, but not the way we wanted. Portera singles to the right side. The run comes around and scores. It's a 10-run rule. Mercy killing. 11-1 for Alabama. And uh, there is nothing redeeming about this game. There's nothing about this as you can look at it and say, hey, you know, at least there was this. No, 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 no. When you score, okay, you're not going to beat anybody one nothing in this league. I mean, that rarely ever happens. You're not going to win one nothing. You're not going to beat people with three hits. And it was a time you look up yesterday at 7-1, to one, and Alabama had three hits because State kept gifting them base runners. You simply can't do it. 
And again, this game was won in the second inning. You know, these self-inflicted wounds, you know, we start putting guys on base, and eventually you run into a bat. And we did. The three-run bomb really changed everything, changed the complexion of this ball game. And then all of a sudden you start pressing at the plate, start playing tight defensively, and again, just the one error there. And, and listen, I understand that's part of baseball, but um, that's a routine play that you've made since Little League. you got to make that play. That's why they call it an error, right? But looking inside the numbers here, I mean, again, nothing. You, there's nothing here in this box score that's going to make you feel good. I mean, the fact that Kellum Clark, Kellum Clark was our offensive hero yesterday, and the guy we talked to in post game. I'll have an article out with him later today. Uh, so Amani goes 0 for three, gets the RBI on the ground out. Led batter 0 for four with a couple of punches. Hunter Hines 0 for one. They did walk him once. Uh, Dakota Jordan 1 for three, well, also with a strikeout. Luke Hancock, 0 for 3, with a strikeout. Slade Alford, 0 for 3, with a strikeout. Kellum Clark, 1 for 1, with two walks in the day. Lane Forsyth, 0 for 2, with a ball, with a walk. Ross Highfield, 1 for 3. Uh, so, you know, no really offensive stars yesterday. You know, Kellum, of course, is the leader of this team and uh, did a good job getting on base yesterday. But when that's your offensive hero, a guy that goes 1 for 1 and doesn't score a run, it's not a good day at the ballpark. And it's, that, that's just not about pitching. It's easy to pile on pitching, and, and it's absolutely warranted after the performance yesterday, right? That's a recurring theme, right? But yesterday wasn't just about pitching. Offense was putrid. All right, Gerangelo goes two innings, allows five runs on two hits, five walks, two strikeouts, a wild pitch. Now, that's not going to get it done, period. Bradley Lofton goes two and a third, one hit, three runs, four walks. Four strikeouts, a wild pitch, and a hit-by-pitch. So, between the two freshmen, they're both going to be stars. We let Alabama – 10 Alabama guys get on base. 10. 10 with a walk or a hit-by-pitch. Between the two of them, they only averaged – you know, allowed three hits. You, if you found out you only gave up three hits and four and a third, you thought, okay, we're probably in pretty good shape. No, 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 no. The game was already over. Brock Tapper comes in, one and two-thirds of an inning. He gets up four hits, two runs. Walks just one, two strikeouts, didn't hit anybody. Gold star for that. Logan Forsyth, just the one-third inning pitch, a hit, a run, an earned run, two walks. So a dozen walks of Bulldog pitching. You threw all the freshmen yesterday. And, again, these guys are going to be great in time. And I think it kind of sets up well for uh, the rest of the weekend, for the day. And we're going to talk about that uh, in our final segment of the show. But there's nothing here. You look at this and say, you know what? Hey, we did a good job here. We really didn't, and that's what's so frustrating. It's like you have a chance to go out there and take a series, and you still have that same chance. However, with all the games that we've lost, you look at this and say, hey, if we can find a way to make this thing happen and set ourselves up with guard on the mound in game three, we got a chance to go sweep it. It's so difficult to sweep anybody in the SEC, much less on the road, but we didn't show up. That's the problem I got with this. It's not – that we lost it's how we lost and I don't mean the margin it's the fact that I don't think we were competitive we didn't compete on the mound we didn't compete at the plate and we played fairly clean on defense but the reality of it is is hey the defense can only do so much I mean you know when you're walking the ballpark and you're not swinging the bat defense can't bail you out you don't you don't get a pick six in baseball right and so that's a frustrating thing to me is that after the success on Thursday we should have came out raring and fired up and ready to go and give Luke Holman some credit too. 
Luke Holman came out and was outstanding. He has a good fastball. Uh, a three-pitch mix there that uh, tunnels pretty well. But I didn't like our approach, and the numbers show that. You know, we took way too many strikes. Strikeout looking way too many times. You know, Holman just has the four strikeouts. We struck out seven times the team, but it seemed like every one of them was big. They walk us just four times. You know, that's the thing. We walk a dozen, we lose by ten. They walk four. They win by ten. And when you only give up three hits, I mean, goodness, at the end of the day, we had a couple hit by pitches. Guys, we had more base runners reach with walks and hit by pitches than we did hits. As did they. The difference is we just had more of them. Very frustrating game. Not just because of the final score, but it's the fact that I thought, you know what, hey, maybe we're growing up a little bit. We'll have some killer instinct here. But we didn't. We didn't come out there and really punch. And that's the disappointing part of this for me. And I uh, spoke to Chris and Kellerman postgame. And, um, you know, obviously everybody's disappointed. Today is a new day. But we did not go out and compete. And I apologize for that. There's one guy that always messes me. Stop hitting your mic. Um, we didn't go compete. And that's the frustrating part about this. I don't want to belabor the point. Uh, that ball game is over. We get ready for a new day. Uh, today. All right, final segment of the show brought to you by our friends at Portico. If you're looking to move to the greater Starkville area, you look no further than Portico. Very easy to find. Turn off of 82 on a 12. The very first ride is Pat Station Road. You go through the four-way stop there, and there's Portico on the right-hand side. 1.1 miles away from the Mississippi State campus, all things Bulldog. How cool would that be to be that close to campus, right? Close enough for convenience, far enough away to have some privacy. All your friends, from back home, your family can stop by and see you on their way to the game. Maybe spend a night with you. Whatever you want to do, it's your life, man. But well, why not live the high life here in Starkville with us? But come be our neighbor. Give our friend Brooks Bryan a call at 601-416-8075. Again, that's 601-416-8075. And Brooks can get you all the information you need, whether it be a two-bedroom, two-bath home that fills your needs or perhaps a four-bedroom home. And you can go all the way up to that. And anything in between. Uh, carrying those guys can take care of you. That's the best thing about this is that, hey, you can get a custom build. Phase one's completely sold out. Phase two's under development now. Many of those homes are already sold, but there are a couple available. You can also pick out a lot and pick out your housing plan. Everybody deserves to do it at least once. Again, give Brooks a call at 601-416-8075 and make Portico your next move. All right, let's get up to date on what's happened around the Southeastern Conference before we preview today's game. It's been interesting. It's been interesting. And uh, I, I would say probably the biggest, uh, the biggest development at this point is uh, Florida taking the first two from Tennessee and Knoxville and going for the sweep today. How interesting is that? Real quickly, we'll go back and look at uh, our Thursday night action here in case you missed it. Of course, uh, State Beach, Alabama 12-8. Vandy 7-6 winners over Missouri. That's been a more competitive series than I think people anticipated. And, of course, Vandy was the lone undefeated team in the conference until Friday. Uh, South Carolina absolutely ambushed LSU 13-5 and uh, in a position to take the series. Should have won yesterday. But Paul Skeens got roughed up a little bit. Three innings pitched, two hits, three runs, eight Ks, allowed two home runs. They pulled him out of there early, and people were wondering if he was hurt. I'm told he's not. Uh, They have had some issue with injury at LSU. And uh, Wes Johnson's there, which uh, stirs up some negative memories here at Mississippi State. 
But uh, a lot of discussion about the uh, the Tiger arms ailing a little bit. Arkansas Ole Miss got postponed to a doubleheader on Friday. And, of course, Florida wins 6-1. to one. And you know that Florida pitching is elite. I don't know that Tennessee offense in SEC play is quite what we expect it to be. They're still swinging it really big around in non-conference, but um, still a top-10 offense. But they have really struggled against SEC pitching. A&M wins their opening game against Auburn 9-5. And, again, we just need a split in that series. So, things are going pretty well, I guess, in many respects for State after Thursday's action. Again, basically, everybody you're chasing, which is nearly everybody, right, lost. Or anybody that's close to you. All right, so Friday, LSU comes from behind. South Carolina is up 7-4 in this ball game and cruising. Veach does a great job for them. They end up changing pitchers, and Gavin Duga hits a grand slam to tie the ball game. LSU scores the game when he run late. And I noticed, like, LSU's walk out the field, and they're, like, huffing, and they're, like, they're puffing at South Carolina. And I'm thinking, will you guys calm down? I mean, you got your titties raked on Thursday, and you come out there on Friday, and a guy just pulls one out of his backside? I mean, you are very easily 2-0 or 0-2 in this series, and you're going to glare at the South Carolina dugout when you walk off the field? Give me a break. I'm telling you, this LSU team is not built for a Super Regional. And with all this arm issues they're having, it's going to be interesting. Offense can only get you so far. It is. And again, every single weekend, LSU is losing a game on the weekend. And you can say, but Steve, I get you 2010. That's not going to be enough this year. It's not. It's not. And of course, State loses 11-1. Auburn rallies back competitive series between them and the Aggies. Auburn wins 10-9 there. In game one, Arkansas shells on Miss pitching. Jack Doherty continuing to have a tough year. 11-2 for Arkansas. And LSU and South Carolina were expected to play a second game there. That didn't happen. Got postponed to the day. Kentucky rallies from behind to beat Georgia in the opening game of their series. Kentucky, uh, seven to four winners there. And you start again, you start looking at this Kentucky team. I, I told you guys that they were six wins away from clinching a spot in the NCAA tournament. They pick up one there. Because at 14 and 16, they're getting in. Just telling you. AM uh, takes the series with Auburn with a nightcap winner, 12 6. And again, this Auburn offense, I know they scored 10 runs in that second game, but Auburn offense is just one of those things you look at. It's, it's very, very, very Jekyll and Hyde. So a m uh, wraps up their series in just a couple days there. And in Florida, 9-3 winners last night. I watched the end of that ball game. The Tennessee bullpen is legit. Their starting pitching has been a bit of an adventure. But the, the bullpen, elite, they're shutting guys down. But did you think, did you look up and – you know, Tennessee, losing record in the conference at this point. I mean, we're four weekends in, they have a losing record. Ole Miss rallies to uh, win game two against Arkansas, seven to four winners for the Rebels. And then Missouri walks off Vanderbilt. Yeah, I think they had three hits going into the ninth inning, and they get four hits in the ninth, all singles, and uh, win the game, walk it off. Their first win over the Vanderbilt Commodores since uh, 2019. And now Missouri at home with a chance to take the series from Vanderbilt. I don't expect that to happen, but it's awfully interesting. Okay, today's games, and uh, there's not a whole bunch of them because there's some series that wrapped yesterday. 
Florida and Tennessee, that's going to be a 1 p.m. start here in the central time zone. Kentucky and Georgia has been pushed back. Looks like they'll play two sevens uh, tomorrow, so we will have some Easter baseball. Arkansas and Ole Miss, that's set to begin at 2 p.m. today. Vanderbilt and Missouri, that is also a 2 p.m. start. And then State and Alabama on ESPNU, that's a 5 p.m. start. And again, it looks like the weather will cooperate and we'll have an opportunity uh, to uh, to play that ball game without interruption of weather. And so if you're looking at Sunday, it all gets started at 11 a.m. Central between Kentucky and Georgia. So we'll have back-to-back games. I don't know what they're going to do as far as televising game two. But a huge series for Kentucky, obviously, if they can uh, take that. And we expected that to happen. We really did. I mean, Georgia is just struggling offensively. All right, looking at your up-to-date standings, Vanderbilt now 10-1. and So no longer anybody undefeated in league play. Just behind them is the Kentucky Wildcats 9-1, and who were 27-3 and overall. Did you know that Kentucky had the fewest number of losses of any SEC team? Did you know that? 27-3. and South Carolina is 28-4. They're 9-2 and in the league. Florida 9-2. and And then Tennessee now 4-7. and 4-7. and If you work through the tiebreakers, right now Tennessee is 6th in the SEC East because they're tied with Missouri with a 4-7 and record, but Missouri won the series and swept Tennessee. It's crazy to think about that. It really is. And in Georgia, 1-9 in the conference, uh, the worst record in the conference right now. Uh, fewest number of overall wins at 16. And you got to wonder, too, I mean, it's, it's Scott Strickland, I mean, how, how comfortable can they be at Georgia? I've always felt that Georgia, not just in, in baseball, but like even in men's basketball, that they're a sleeping giant, that there's no excuse for Georgia to ever be bad in anything. With their recruiting footprint, probably – you could venture to say probably one of the more over-recruited areas in the Southeastern Conference, but a ton of talent there. And you look at the Georgia football experience and you see Kirby kind of woke them up down there. At some point, Georgia's going to get the right coach and it's going to be trouble. All right, LSU, 7-4 and four now. Arkansas tied with them 7-4. and four. Of course, LSU uh, wins that series earlier this year, so LSU would hold a tiebreaker. And then everybody else in the West with a losing record. A&M's 5-7, Alabama's 4-7, Auburn 4-8, Ole Miss 2-9, Mississippi State 2-9. And And so there's some room for upward mobility in the West, but let's be honest about this. I mean, the chances of State making the postseason are pretty slim. You know, at this, we're just kind of chasing Hoover, right? And if it started today, I don't know if we'd be in or not. Georgia would be out. It would be between us and Ole Miss. And, of course, I haven't done the math to see where you'd be in relation to the West. The thing about it is the state's played uh, you know, a couple teams from the East. I, I think Ole Miss has played with Bandy in Florida. But the uh, reality of it is got to win some ball games, And it needs to start today. But uh, interesting, interesting weekend, as always, in SEC play. But, uh, again, I think you can say the East decidedly better than the West at this point, even though the West has LSU. And if LSU loses to South Carolina today, maybe some people will want to vote South Carolina number one. We'll see. And I told you guys at the beginning of the year that they were a team I wasn't completely sold on. Well, they have absolutely proven me uh, to be inaccurate when it comes to them. They, they are absolutely legit. Felt good about Kentucky. Felt good about Florida. Thought Vanderbilt might take a little bit of a step back. And, of course, they're fixing to navigate a very difficult schedule. It's all difficult here in the SEC, but uh, 
But the reality of it is, is that uh, we have a chance to make a move in the West and ensure that we make it to Hoover, especially with Georgia struggling the way that they are. And I won't be the least bit surprised if Kentucky takes and sweeps that series. It's going to be awfully interesting, to say the least. But uh, a lot of winnable games ahead for Mississippi State, and that begins today. And so let's, let's kind of take a look here at uh, what, what is scheduled for today for Mississippi State. So much of this, too. Uh, by throwing all the freshmen yesterday in a game that got a little bit lopsided, it has allowed us to kind of set the bullpen up to be in pretty good shape here. We haven't thrown Nate yet. Uh, we still have Evan Sierra. He is a freshman, but we still have Evan Sierra uh, left to go. And so that's an important aspect of things, too. Um, you know, Casey could probably come back if you needed him to, but uh, you, you've got some arms available for sure. Uh, Nixon hasn't gone. And so if, my, my thing is I, if, if guard can get you through the order a couple times and maybe get you into the fifth or through the fifth and you turn it over to Nate, it, number one, you're going to have to pry the baseball away from Nate's hands. If Nate Dome hits the mound with a lead today, Mississippi State wins the series. That's how I feel about it. All right, so State is going to take Landon Gartman, of course, against Grayson Hitt. Grayson Hitt, uh, a guy they say that has a five-pitch mix – I'm not a big proponent of that. I think basically what you're saying is that um, you haven't mastered the, the first three, so you keep adding, right? Does that make sense? Because if you're able to get people out with um, fastball, breaking ball, changeup, you wouldn't need all these auxiliary pitches, and that's, that's kind of how it looks. Now, he is a left-hander, which is always interesting for us, right? You never know how we're going to handle the lefties, especially as left-handed centric as we are. But uh, it has been an interesting year for him. Look at numbers right here now. So he begins the year, let's see, he's 32 and two-thirds of an innings pitched on the year. Uh, beats Richmond, goes five and, and beats Richmond. Three and two-thirds of an inning against High Point, Illinois, Chicago, he goes five. Columbia, he goes three and a third, allows six hits and five runs. They chase him from the ballgame. He struck out eight in that ballgame, which ties the season high. Get an SEC play, five and two-thirds against Florida. Uh, a game that they uh, they actually won that game. They battled back to win that game. Kentucky, they win that ballgame too. He goes six innings there. And, again, Kentucky had every chance to sweep, couldn't close the deal. And then at Arkansas, he takes the loss last weekend, four innings pitch. But, you know, he is the guy that's getting you – to the fifth or around the fifth. So stamina, not a real strong point. He's not a guy that, uh, that pitches deep in the ball games. Through 91 pitches against Illinois, Chicago, which is a season high, and that got him into the fifth. And so I don't think they're going to try to extend him today. But it'll be interesting. Interesting. We absolutely, absolutely need him uh, to get him out of the ball game. We do. We need to get into that bullpen. And they have used some arms for sure. But uh, – yeah, with a series on the line, everybody that's able is going to throw. So, 4.13 ERA, 3-1 record on the year, seven appearances, all starts. Uh, is allowing just under a hit per inning. Allowed just two home runs on the year and just five extra base hits. Uh, opponents are hitting just 208, which is the best that he has allowed in his year, in his career. Worked it down from 306 all the way to 208. Five wild pitches this year, one hit by pitch. So he's a guy that should be around the plate. 40 strikeouts to 21 walks, which is the worst strikeout-to-walk ratio. So 2-1 to one among the, the Alabama regulars. So 
we got to go out there and get him. But anytime it's a left-hander, it's always interesting for us because Hunter Hines and uh, Kellum Clark at times have shown struggles against left-handers. So we're going to need Gard to go out there and give us a big start. And uh, if Gard goes out and pitches the way that he did last weekend, uh, State's going to win a baseball game. That's how I feel about it. I, f- I felt all weekend, all week, this was a good matchup for us. If we could get to Sunday – because I think that uh, – I didn't know Gart was going to go on Sunday, to be quite honest with you. But I think maybe that's the way he where he needs to be. You know, Gart can kind of benefit on how other things have gone against other hitters and kind of learn from that. And Alabama has shown to be a little susceptible to change. There is some swing and miss in the order. you got to hope they don't guess right. That's the, that's the reality of that. But, you know, when I go back and look at the numbers here, we you know, look about availability. And the best ability, especially in Sunday ball games or game three ball games, is availability. All right, so Nate hasn't pitched. Uh, Cole Cheatham pitched earlier this week. Don't, don't expect to see him. Aaron Nixon hasn't pitched. Uh, Tapper pitched a good bit yesterday. I don't think you see him. Evan Sierra, Will Gibbs still available too. Now, Colby will tell you he can go back and go. I don't know that you go back and do that. Einzema hasn't pitched. Uh, Tyler Davis hasn't pitched. Tyson Harden hasn't pitched. Parkerson that hadn't pitched. But, uh, you know, you get that deep in there. I think, I think the best case for State – is guard gets you through it, and you turn over to Nate, and then worst-case scenario, you go to Nixon. If you have to get deeper into this deal, uh, it probably means the day hadn't gone well. So it sets up pretty well for Mississippi State. you got to go out there and score some runs. And I think you got to start early. I, I think you got to play for one early. Do whatever you got to do to get a lead. Because let's be honest, Gartman's a guy, too, that is kind of susceptible at times to get up to home run. He's allowed nine. The staff has allowed 44. Gart has allowed nine. They're going to hit a home run or two today. Because sometimes you're going to have somebody come in there and sit soft, and they're just going to guess right. And so we've got to keep the ball in the ballpark. And then we've got to go out there and scratch across some runs early. Because if you look at these Sunday games with Alabama, their team has been fairly competitive. You know, that's the thing that I think – I look at this stuff sometimes, and I think you can find out a lot about your coaching staff by how guys play in game three. Because either you're trying to salvage something on the weekend or you're trying to win a series more times than not. I mean, it's, it's you know, game two is the all-important one in many respects because you have to win game two. In order, you know, if you've won game one, you're, you're setting up a sweep. If you lose game one, you're at least getting a split here. But uh, going back and looking at game threes with them, they beat Richmond 14-1. to They come back against High Point. They beat them 4-2. Illinois-Chicago at 9-7. Columbia, they play a doubleheader on Saturday. They lose game three, 15 to three. Got absolutely shelled in that ball game. Uh, they squeak out the win over Florida in game three, and that's a doubleheader too. Kentucky, they win the Sunday game to, to avoid being swept, and then they lose the Sunday game last weekend and the series to Arkansas. And so the, the, the thing that jumps out to me is offensive numbers on Sunday. I mean, I, with the rare exception of the Richmond game, they just haven't scored a ton of runs. On Sunday, and these games have been competitive. You know, we've got to go out there and make sure that we're scoring runs. I mean, we cannot have a repeat of yesterday's offensive performance. Absolutely cannot. Absolutely cannot. And, um, you know, Hitt's a guy that's going to keep him in the ball game. He is. you got to get him on out of there. you got to find a way to run the pitch count up, get him out of the ball game. And, uh, you know, we'll kind of take it from there. I do think we're going to win the ball game. I do think we're going to win the series. And it's like you, when you lose game two, you start thinking, oh, my gosh, we cannot afford to lose this thing. I expect State 
to rally back today. You know, State comes out and punches them in the mouth on Thursday. They respond on Friday. So, you know, today, of course, the rubber match, you never know how things are going to go. But I think that we will adjust to kind of what we've seen, uh, how they wanted to attack hitters. Of course, it'll be a different dynamic, of course, with hit the lefty on the mound. But you got to get him out of the ballgame and get to the bullpen. The hope is that it's still a ball game by the time that you can get him out of the game. He's not as good as Holman, but he's good. Not as good as Hess, but he's good. There's a reason he's throwing on Sunday, right? I mean, he is their third best starter. But he is a guy that is a competitor. And so we'll see how things progress with him. But what we need is some right-handed bats to show up here. And, again, you know, these young guys are kind of demanding to be served here. You know, Ross Heifel, of course, uh, three home runs this week. Dakota Jordan having a big week as well. You know, we need these guys on the right side to be very productive today. You need Lane Forsythe to go up there and flip the order here and give these guys an opportunity, top of the order. We need Imani Larry to have a good ball game. You know, Colton's done a really good job against lefties here as of late, taking the ball the other way because people are scared to throw him in or half. And you saw that yesterday with that ground rule double. I mean, you know, that ball nearly gets out of there. But we need Colton Ledbetter to pick it up. Colton hadn't had an especially great weekend, but uh, he's had, had a couple big hits. Had a tough game yesterday. Maybe I'm getting my – that was Thursday. We had the ground rule double. But the reality of it is, is that this is there for the taking for Mississippi State. It's as simple as that. This is a ball game. In many respects, kind of defines the season. And we talk about uh, – some people told me yesterday, oh, I don't know if we can come back from yesterday. Are you kidding me? <laughs> you went you went on Thursday and then you lose Friday in similar fashion. And it's like, oh, I don't know if we can come back from that. Did anybody expect us to go sweep Alabama? I mean, we needed to, but did you expect it? No. We were hoping to take the next step and go win the series, and we can do that today. And maybe it's my heart speaking rather than my head, but I think we're going to do it. I think we should do it. And I think it's going to boil down to how well we can navigate through the first few innings here. If we get down in this ball game, you know, three, four, five runs with what we have available in the bullpen, I mean, you can't utilize Nate to his strength when you have to hand him the baseball in a – in a losing game. But, um, you know, he's a guy, obviously, he's our most competitive pitcher. I think all would agree. And you're moving back to the pen in the hopes of uh, giving him an opportunity to pitch with a lead. You guys probably feel like I do. When Nate is on the mound, I expect us to get out, and I don't expect us to walk people. And, And as you saw what happened, when we didn't walk people on Thursday, we win. We walk people on Friday, we lose. You know, Gart's a guy, too you know, by and large, that, um, you know, has not walked a ton of guys. You know, Gart has a has 40, 39 Ks against 15 walks. So he's just under three, three to one, which doesn't mean quite what it used to. But 15 walks is pretty good and relative to most of the guys on the staff. Nate, though, 35 and eight, 35 punch outs to eight walks. Nate also has had the propensity to give up the uh, the extra base hit. And some of that, too, was his time as a starter. You know, they give up the three bombs last weekend, kind of runs those numbers up just a little bit. But uh, 3.56 ERA for Nate, a three and three record, 10 appearances and the two starts. Also has a couple saves. But when you've got guys like Alabama, they're, they're not a great offense. They're not. There's a couple guys in there that can hurt you. I mean, Jarvis, the guy that's been around forever and a day. But this is a, this is a group here I think you can go challenge these guys. You really go get after them. And it's like you look at some of the numbers and they're kind of skewed because of the walks. But, you know, Nate is the guy that's going to make them hit their way on. 
I don't know that they can consistently do that. And maybe I'm completely wrong in that, that aspect. I don't think if we go out there and throw strikes and make competitive pitches that they can win this ball game. I think they've got to have our help. I think we've got to go out there and the leadership of this team has got to say, hey, we got a chance to go get an SEC dub right here. And then all of a sudden you go to UAB in the midweek and you got Ole Miss, a struggling Ole Miss team coming in next weekend in our place. Big series with huge crowds. That's how important this game is. It could set things up for us to put to get a little bit of a run here. And listen, I'm not even thinking about the NCAA tournament, and, and nor should you. It's not going to happen. Barring something totally unforeseen. We're not going to make the tournament. Our goal at this point is to salvage something from this year, get these young guys some experience and get to Hoover, and, you know, we'll, we'll see how the season looks at the end. But, you know, today the job is about winning today's ball game. Do whatever you have to do to win today's game, and then we'll drive over to Birmingham on Tuesday and figure that one out. And we'll come home and have a huge family reunion for Super Bulldog weekend, and we'll go get after the Rebels. But first things first, we've got to take care of the Tide. All right, if you hadn't done so, go to dogpilotbook.com, and you can uh, get all my sports books there. I want to thank Mike Rooney of uh, ESPN, one of the top college baseball writers in the country. Tweeted out last night that he was nine chapters in a dog pile, said he was enjoying it. It was outstanding. I want to thank him for doing that. I saw Mike in Frisco, and he said, hey, I want to pick up the book, and he did. He bought it himself, and I appreciate that, and uh, says he's enjoying it. So, listen, Father's Day is coming up. Many of you aren't even thinking in those terms yet. If your dad loves Mississippi State baseball, even if the season is not to his liking, and how could it be? Let's relive that 2021 NAFL championship run. That's a book that every Bulldog fan needs. So Father's Day, get dad a copy of Dogpile. If he already has Dogpile, go ahead and kind of complete the selection, the collection. Uh, you can get all my sports books at dogpiledbook.com. Stark Villains is there. Only a few copies of that left. Alpha Dogs, only a couple cases of that left. And then uh, plenty of dog pile and some flim flam there for your uh, reading pleasure. If you're looking for Bloomsville Leander, you can find it on Amazon.com, BarnesandNoble.com, BooksAmillion.com. And then, of course, uh, you need Stark Villains gear, and maybe Dad has, has all my books. Get him a Stark Villains T-shirt or a hoodie. You'll be glad he's got it. And if you're not a member of GenesPage.com, what are you doing with life, right? I mean, we, nobody covers Mississippi State like we do. I, I made this comment yesterday to somebody else. And I, and I mean it. Um, it doesn't matter what's going on. Well, right now we're in college baseball season. All right, so yesterday, you get up yesterday, you go to Gene Spage. So we, had a, we already had a player feature story on Ross Highfield yesterday. Then we have our play-by-play article. Then we have the gamer. Then we have the Q&A with Chris Amonis. And that's every game. Like you're going to have a, a player feature to open – then you're going to get the play-by-play article. You're going to get the AP Gamer. And then you're going to get uh, the Q&A with Lamontis. And then we, we come back and repeat. So you're going to get, you know, and sometimes Robbie uh, will write a feature too. You know, so every game day you're getting four, four college baseball stories. We get into football. It's, it's football all day, every day. But there's only so much room in a newspaper, right? You know, the Internet's wide open and free. So we can write as much as we want. And so we do. And even when things are not the way we hoped they would be, we still cover them. We don't just say, well, we lost the ball game. Nobody wants to read this. I'm going to go to bed. We take our responsibility very seriously. And so come to jeanspage.com, the Mississippi State affiliate for 247 Sports. And uh, we got a great crew. And uh, it's one of those things, too. We've kind of – we everybody works on football, right? And, uh, you know, we kind of define some roles in many respects. 
you know, Dave's kind of a feature writer and kind of helps out where, where it's needed. And Paul's handling men's basketball, Robbie doing women's. And uh, I submit to you, nobody, nobody out there is working as hard on the women's side of things than uh, Robbie. And I, I really hope that we're rewarded with that with a big season next year and get a chance to, uh, you know, make a run, a deeper run in the postseason. Uh, and then baseball, Mike and I do it. And, again, Robbie kind of supplements, too. Robbie out there uh, working prep speed, too. And that keeps you busy this spring semester, right? Uh, but the reality of it is we've got an army of people doing a great job for you and providing you unprecedented coverage of Mississippi State sports, especially during baseball season. And there's nobody – everybody out there, they're, they're, the paper writes an article. Uh, we're going to give you four to five. And uh, when we win, I know you can't get enough of that kind of stuff. When we lose, you're like, I don't know. I don't know, Steve. A lot of video content, things like that. So, again, nobody providing you the content that we are over at jeanspage.com. All right, so I'm going to get this this uploaded for you guys, and then I'm going to write a story kind of setting up the day with Kellum Clark, and then uh, we're going to grab some lunch, and we're going to drive over to Tuscaloosa and hopefully see Mississippi State win an intercollegiate baseball game against the Alabama Crimson Tide and secure our first SEC series win uh, of the year. And, again, like all of you, it's been a much of a, a roller coaster. You know, we went into last week's game three thinking, hey, you know, we destroyed these guys on game two, 13-3, and here we are. We had a chance with a 4-3 lead in the six. You think, hey, we're fixing to take a series. And the fact that South Carolina's played as well as they have this weekend, I think it in many respects kind of validates the quality of the program they are, right? But it also shows me that if State can compete with them, States should be able to compete with everybody else in the middle of the pack in the SEC. And so this is a golden opportunity for State to take another step. Last week you took a step. You were competitive in every game, and then you get smacked in the mouth yesterday. And rather than sit around and second-guess yourself, it's time to come out and swing hard today. Go out there and attack Alabama. And, again, the, the arms set up well for the Bulldogs. Bullpen is set up exceptionally well, and that's the, that's the luxury – of losing a game like yesterday. If you're going to lose, you, you don't want it to be a tight ball game where you eat up arms. You want to be able to save some guys for Sunday. And that's what happens a lot of times, too. You start managing this thing. And, you, and I go back to Thursday's game. You know, KC had some struggles there in the ninth. But that's – listen, when you have the margin that we have, it doesn't matter how much you win by. You'd like to be able to navigate through that night without having to use another arm. And we were able to do that. And, yes – it should have been a bigger blowout. It wasn't. They do score a couple runs there, three runs in the ninth to make it interesting slightly. But we're able to get it done. KC got the job done. May not have got the style points many people wanted, but he got the job done. And then Saturday, of course, the game gets lopsided, so you throw a bunch of your freshmen, have them eat up innings, and it allows you to save some guys for the day. So it sets up well for us. we got to go take advantage of it. And, of course, there's no point, obviously, of throwing those guys out there if we don't have a lead. You got to go out there and get a lead. And I think, again, if I think if, if Nate Dome takes the mound with a lead in this ball game, Mississippi State wins this series. I have a lot of confidence in Nate. I know you guys do as well. And I think Nate is probably something they haven't seen uh, this weekend from Mississippi State, anything like that. You know, with that kind of velo too, but also that great biting slider. When Nate is on, he is very difficult. And uh, you look at the progress that Ross Highfield has made. Uh, you know, threw, threw a couple runners out yesterday. Only got credit for one because we couldn't complete it on the back end. But I think it also gives Nate a little more confidence, too, that he can throw that slider knowing that, that Ross is going to block it up. And, and he's been much better the last two weekends. Ross Highfield is going to be a star at Mississippi State. Go ahead and accept that. 
the fact that he's already got seven bombs at this point in the season, he's taken over as your everyday catcher, you know, shows the potential that he has, and he's going to be a guy you can count on kind of moving forward. The guy, again, it's kind of growing up in front of us. And him and Dakota, I think, you know, you look at these guys with Lofton uh, and Gerangelo, you start thinking this is the core nucleus of the future of Mississippi State baseball. But we need those guys to continue to grow up because we've got to try to salvage something of the season. And, hey, listen, we look forward to this all year, every year, and then we don't get the return on our investment. It stinks, man. It does. Nobody out here is defending uh, the quality of play. Nobody is defending the results. You know, you like the kids, you like the coaches, you do. But at the end of the day, our loyalty is to Mississippi State baseball. We need this to kind of work out. So it's okay to be upset with the coaching staff and then still hope that you win some ball games this year. That's completely okay. It doesn't have to be one or the other. A lot of people that want to paint you in a corner and say, oh, well, if, if you don't want to fire the staff, then you're a bad fan. And there are other people that say, hey, if you're always so negative, you're a bad fan. Listen, we all want the same thing. We do. We just disagree on how to get there. We all want State to win and win big. We're all Bulldogs. I get, I get really tired of all this tribalism. It's like people, oh, well, you're this, you're that. No, no. I'm a Bulldog. You're a Bulldog. We can find some common ground here. And I think the reality of it is, is that, hey, we're all struggling right now with this because we take so much pride in our baseball program. And, you know, hey, you look at this situation too, like, hey, you look at this academic year, uh, football, Nine and four year, one of the best seasons in school history. You recapture the Golden Egg. You win uh, the ReliaQuest Bowl. Basketball makes a tournament. Women's basketball makes a tournament. Wins a couple games in tournament. You know, softball out there kind of doing some things here and there. And you think, hey, this sets up. It could be a great academic year for us. We just need baseball to get back to form. We hadn't done that. And so it's like, you know, it's easy to be a prisoner at the moment, you look back in hindsight and say, hey, it was, it's been a good year for us. But you want to end on a good note. You want to find a way to win some ball games and kind of get some things moving in the right direction. And so hopefully, again, that, that takes care of itself today. You go take care of Alabama today and put together another winning week next week, and then you look up at the end of the year, maybe you're not in as bad a situation as you expected to be. That's it for today. We'll see you guys uh, on Monday. And, of course, I'm going to record Sunday night. Record Sunday night. And uh, we'll have a show up for you on, uh, on Monday morning. And I uh, look forward to being with you. Hopefully we're talking about a Bulldog win. We'll review uh, the SEC weekend that was. And uh, until, you know, we get a chance to talk again, uh, happy Easter, happy Resurrection Day, uh, whatever you're observing. Hope that you get a chance to spend some time uh, with those you love the most. And if you don't, pick up the phone and give them a call. And one of the challenges that I make to people all the time on holidays, there is somebody that you know that is estranged from the family. And maybe it's because of something they did or something you did. There is no point living with acrimony. There's not. And listen, I get it. There are some people you got to keep at arm's length. I understand that more than most. But I'm a big proponent of forgiveness. I am. I'm not saying you got to let them move in with you. But man, it wouldn't hurt. Send a text, make a phone call. Maybe extend an invitation to lunch or something. For somebody that maybe is out there, I can tell you is that guy that was once out there, kind of estranged from the family, kind of ostracized from everybody else. I can tell you, we didn't have cell phones back then. Again, I'm from the 1900s, but those were some of the loneliest days of my life. Absolutely loneliest days of my life. And there's so many people that, uh, you know, when they feel like they're not part of it, and all of a sudden they're circling, like everybody around them is like, oh, well, I, we're going to this with our family. And then you're kind of left alone to kind of, Consider your lot in life. I, I can tell you, it would have been an awful lot to me if somebody picked up the phone and called me and said, hey, man, you want to go get something to eat? 
hate for you to be alone. Love for you to be able to celebrate with us. And so I encourage you, if at all possible, reach out to somebody, whether it be a friend, a family member, somebody out there that you know is hurting and would benefit from your kindness. Be sure and do that at some point. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.